Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a crowd podcast. Sometimes you're on the same team, sometimes you're against each other. Looked, he walked and talked like a football agent. How does making deals differ? I want to come out on Wembley Stadium in a London bus. But they've done an excellent job. At that point, I, I will be representing the man. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Salam, Deck. Still going on Salam. Salam, George. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm hanging in there, George, so far. All all good so far. But I think so much is going down out here. We should do a pod. I knew you were going to say this, and I was hoping you would say this. You need to go and find absolute legends that we can't get. Preferably the money. Try and search out the money. Don't be ignorant and just think like, oh, it's, it's the guy with, you know, the white suit on. Do you know like how you see Mark Zuckerberg and you go, you ain't got a pot to piss in. Don't judge a book by its cover, mate. Do you know what I mean? Saudi is the new Vegas. Find the money. Find Tyson for us. Grab older Tyson. Um, Mike Tyson. Who else is out there, Deck? Roberto Duran's out here. Tell me Friday. Surprise me Friday. I'm not going to sleep now. Let, yeah, we'll have a proper we'll have a proper rundown of this Saudi week then. But before then, we've got a stonker, George. This is a man with more stories than Waterstones. Today, Deck, this is an episode about the negotiation. We've got a sports agent in the club now. Someone's going to teach us the art of the deal, how to make a deal. And there's no one better from my experience, my vast experience, everyone I've met is Dean Baker, who was my sports agent. He's been many other fighters' sports agent, predominantly a football agent. So I can't wait to get stuck into it with Dean Baker. Have you met, you must have met Dean through me over the years. Yeah, of course. And he was always... Did he sell you anything? Did his best, but... um... (laughs) We're going to get to the bottom and it's it's genius, but I mean, you picked Jamie Cox because you thought he would beat him, but listen out everyone to why George's three Brit run to the final of the the World Boxing Super Series was particularly genius from him and from Dean. And I know why you like Dean so much, George, because he made you so much money over the years. I don't know what sort of terms I've got to have to renegotiate real soon on this GGBC. And, uh, you know, I feel like a refresher course. 
from from the bake bake meister it's only one half of the double act as well duncan d ross we're missing out Duncan D. Ross. We've got to get him on soon. I think we might learn a thing or two. I certainly will. You probably know all this off by heart already, but let's get Dean Baker in. Today, Declan. Yes, George. We have someone in the club who does deals. He's part of the Wasserman boxing setup, and he's someone who I know very well. He's Dean Baker. Dean. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. Thanks for joining the club. Chaps, thank you for having me. Slightly different vibe this one though, George. Tell us why. Tell us, for, actually, let's just put it out there. So your relationship with Dean, how you boys got to know each other. What's the story with you two? I met Dean after the first Frotch fight. And then correct me if I get any of this wrong. He was working, he had a working relationship with Anthony Agogo, who I had a friendship with. Um, Anthony said, this fella Dean wants to have a chat with you. I said, who's Dean? He goes, Dean, he's um he's my agent. I was like, I like that. It sounds sounds pretty good. So um he goes, he wants to have a meeting. He says, he might have some opportunities for you. I had a meeting with Dean, talked about trying to nick a bit of bunts commercially. We hit it off. Um, and Dean done some excellent deals for me ahead of the rematch with with Froch. And then from there on in, we we you know, I was a Wasserman client. I worked with Dean and Duncan. Right to the end, Dean actually was doing a lot of the managerial stuff for me um as well as you know the stuff on the commercial side so uh i thought dean's got to come in i learned a lot from dean um you know in terms of the negotiation so i want to talk today i want to have a little deep dive into making the deal mm. how do we make the deal seal the deal um and i think he might be the right man to talk to what's your official title would you say are you an agent are you a commercial manager are you a sort of fixer i would say advisor and i'd say that because can't be a manager because i don't have a license i don't stray over the line into that an agent uh, i'd say a bit more than an agent so that's my role in boxing and then uh, my day job for the last 25 years i've been a football agent let's go back to the start of that how do you become a football agent i fell into it so i was in the right time right place Myself and a friend of mine went to school with a footballer. His mobile phone rang one day. He was at Tottenham. He'd just been picked for the England under-21s. A guy called Rory Allen. An agent rang him. Had an awkward conversation because I think Rory had an agent at the time. My friend took down the number, then came to me and said, I've just got the number for a football agent. And it was that little flutter in your belly that went, oh, that's a better job than mine. I was working in a bank in the city. Every day was the same, but one day closer to the weekend. Everyone told me it was a great job, but I didn't really know what I did within the banking system. There was three or 400 people on the floor, let alone the, the whole, whole bank. Took the big step, phoned him nervously. He wanted to sign our friend, so he gave us the time of day. We went and saw him and he, he looked, he walked and talked like a football agent. He had a great suit. <laughs> he had his feet up on the desk. He said phrases like maximising a player's earning potential. He'd be halfway through a sentence. He'd be, make, he'd be making a phone call, taking a phone call. And I just thought, yeah. I started a business uh, part-time from the bank, did that for a year and a half, uh, signed some young players in the local area, which is sort of South London, young Crystal Palace, Hopefuls, Millwall, Charlton, and I blagged my way into it. it you know, I it was in a time when there'd be a, a release list. The PFA would send out a release list of players that were released at the end of each season, didn't have clubs. I rang up the PFA put on an Australian accent, made out I was from Perth Glory. I got them to send me a copy of the list. And at the time, the list had 
600 players on with their details, but including phone numbers. I rang the players and said, look, you're unemployed. Have you got an agent? A lot of them didn't at around that time. This is talking about 25, 26 years ago. And then I would try and ring clubs. I'd ring. I'd, it was the time of going through the switchboard. And occasionally you might get a switchboard operator that was a bit loose, a bit, bit lax, should we say, that would actually put you through to the manager. And I got lucky because... You know, three of the first five players I signed actually ended up playing the Premier League. We got them through the systems. They all started in League Two at clubs like sort of South End and Brentford and Gillingham. Got lucky with that. Picked up a bit of a reputation. I was only young myself, so I was only 21. So it was mainly young players because I felt like older players wouldn't really put their uh, faith into you. Uh, the guy that I'd met, the agent, a guy called Andrew Mills, uh, became a mentor of mine, gave me hints, tips and pointers on how to get into the industry. And he works with me today. He went on to run three football clubs as a chief exec. And then he's been working with me for that last four or five years. And basically I've employed my own boss that tells me where I'm going wrong. What's the route into boxing? Because we know that boxing has basically no sort of bar for entry in terms of like anyone can get in. So what you're explaining there with the football agent is like you literally couple of phone calls and you're an agent and then you're successful from grafting. And it's sort of the same with boxing. But I assume you came into Wasserman as an established football agent, what was the what was the connection? How did you get involved with that? And was Anthony Agogo the first one there or was it yeah. before that? I always wanted to work in boxing. I never wanted to be a fighter. I love ring entrances, ring walks. I love the whole thing. But I'd watch like Ben Eubank back in the day and I'd be watching Barry Hearn. And I was fascinated by that. Promoters, Don King and people like that. I was just fascinated by the business side of boxing. I loved the whole razzmatazz. Again, a bit of a chance meeting. I was with a client of mine that played for Crystal Palace. And he was at a Maxi Muscle photo shoot. So we, we we were at the photo shoot and there was a guy there that turned out to be Antonio I vaguely recognised him and they went to take his photos. He took his top off and my client turned around to me, nudged me on the arm and went, can I keep my top off? <laughs> I went, probably not, mate. It's a Maxi Muscle photo shoot. He's like, can I keep my vest on? No. He was like, who's that? I'm like, I'm not sure. Anthony sat down, charismatic character, great look. Felt like he had a little bit of stardust about him. Came and sat down and said, what do you do then? So I said, I'm a football agent. I'm Tom Sawsey's agent. Got chatting to him. We exchanged numbers. And I went away. Uh, it'll be like a first date. I went away going, this is going to work between me and him. And then he phoned me. Um, really good news. He said, they're using the photos of me on the, in the Argos catalogue. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and on tube train adverts. I mean, that's brilliant. I said, I don't think they're using my guy's photos anywhere. I said, what did you get paid? He went, no, I didn't get paid. I went, oh. And I thought, this is my entry point. Here we go. I said, right. And as you do as an agent, I went, oh, this is a shame. Like, my guy got 10 grand or what it was for his day's work. And he went, you're joking. I'm not saying, you know, the publicity view is going to be great, but maybe you need some professional advice. Got speaking to Anthony. And then we did a couple of, I took him to Wasserman. I joined Wasserman in 2011. I took him into Wasserman. Big boxing fans. It was pre-Olympics. Said to the guys, look, can we do anything with him? We did a TV advert with uh, Subway. But what we hadn't told Subway is he hadn't actually qualified for the Olympics yet. He did qualify at the last knock-ins. Um, and, you know, the, the, the TV advert went great. They used it, billboards, and then went to the Olympics. He came out of the Olympics with a bronze. He said to me afterwards, he said, look, you've got a few contacts, haven't you? I said, yeah. He said, I want you to manage my career. I know Barry Hearn through football. Um, I've seen Eddie around a little bit. I know Ricky Hatton because I did a couple of little sponsorship deals with him. Let's go and get an audience with all of them because he wanted to go pro and I'll negotiate a deal. And that is exactly how it started. We went out, we did a few uh, sponsorships. We carried on. We get, got a few uh, really good sponsorship deals. 
for him because look, it was a, it was Olympics. I think they got Team GB. I think we got some sixty odd medals. But he's got an interesting backstory, as you know. He's charismatic, and I decided with him the way to break down barriers because a lot of, as you guys will know, and George would have experienced, a lot of people. It, it's tough to get sponsorship. It's tough to get that. People see it as a blood sport. So the way I did it was. I went around and used my contacts from football and opened some doors. So in terms of sponsorship, I took him into Nike and I knew that he'd walk through the door and people would fall in love with him. And they hadn't sponsored anyone uh, since Frank Bruno did him a three-year deal. He was great. And as Anthony does, you know, he walked in, said hello to everybody. Nice smile before he knew it. Three receptionists to making him a cup of tea. Just hit it off. And I thought, all right, okay, I'm going to do this with every fighter. And you don't do that with every client. Just did that with Anthony and sort of, I, I remember the pitch to, we did a deal with Coca-Cola and we did a, but the pitch to Nike was, we'd put some thought into it. And Nike, they're in athletics, they're in every sport. And I went in with a ESPN. They'd just done a, a vote for the, what's the most athletic sport in the world. And it came out as boxing was the most athletic sport in the world. And I said that to them, how are you not in boxing? I think number 64 was fishing. And that was it. And and we were up and running. We we, we, we sort of spoke to everybody. We spoke to Amir Khan, who had his own promotional company at the time. And in the end, we decided to go with Golden Boy. So... That was it. I was up and running in boxing. Tell us about that meeting with Richard Schaefer and Golden Boy. What was you thinking before going into the meeting? What did you and Anthony have any discussions beforehand? Did you know what to expect before? Was it as you as expected? It was. Yeah, it was as I expected. It didn't disappoint. Richard Schaefer came in, large personality. I'd seen him a lot on the TV. He came into the office, which is always good. So he's, he's, he's in my territory. He shot for the stars and he said, look, I, I think big. That's how I think. How do you want to do this? I said, look, we think big as well. Anthony Agogo wants to be a superstar. So I'm building a picture, building a picture, building a picture the whole time. Um, I said, look, we've sat down with Eddie Hearn to create the market. Schaefer came in last. Eddie's coming back to me with some numbers and his numbers were, in Eddie's words, a little skinny. But we created a market and he came in and we, we spoke about big things. We spoke about getting him on Mayweather shows, Bernard Hopkins shows. My worry was how would he get exposed to the English market, the British market? So I said, look, Richard, I think you can elevate Anthony to a whole new level. You've, you're extremely experienced. You're everything I dreamed of in boxing in terms of razzmatazz, et cetera, but you're miles away in terms of distance. You haven't got any other British fighters. He always dreamed of setting up offices in London and coming in big on the British scene, but never, never got it going. It's a tough market here. I said to him, so would you pay Anthony's purse if he fought on other people's shows? Told me you love him that much. You're backing him that much. I need to build him here and build him in the States as well a little bit. Richard Schaefer delivered absolutely everything he said he was going to do. Uh, so paid for him to uh, fight on Matchroom shows. So he had six or seven uh, Sky shows with Matchroom. Uh, he fought on a Warren show. He fought on a couple of Sauerland shows in Germany. Delivered everything. And Anthony's career, as we know, didn't go the way he expected, but it delivered everything he expected. And Richard was, yeah, it was a case of building a picture of how big Anthony could be how other people had invested in him and basically getting it over the line by letting him know that there was a bit of an auction going on in the market and which it was excellent to deal with. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Anthony Agogo at that point when you met him on that shoot was a very early stage of his career commercially and as a boxer already. I hadn't even gone to the Olympics yet. No. But when George turns up, just had a fight with Carl Frosch. Maybe the big, most talked about boxer you two at that point because of the circumstance of the fight in the whole country. So then you've got a different product that that now is kind of entering your yes. your space. Yes. How do you go about dealing with that? I went to the first Frotch Groves fight in Manchester. Did you just as a fan? Just as a fan. Go on. So I went as a fan and I wanted genuinely wanted George to win. I'd, I'd been at that on the Saturday night. I'd had a great Saturday night out afterwards. We found a nice little club with a load of sort of D-listers in Manchester, you know, sort of people that had been on Coronation Street 10 years before. I think the next day, Anthony texts me George's number and I thought, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phone him. Monday, I'm going to phone him. When I'm making, I'm not a good cold caller. I have to psych myself up to cold call people. And what I do, I, I stood in my office because it's a little bit unknown territory, like you say, that it's boxing, football. By that point, I'd become quite established, quite comfortable in my own skin. I've done a lot of deals to probably 500 transfers by that point. I was very comfortable making those calls, but still a little bit nervous. In boxing, a bit different. I've got one client. I've just roared on the guy on Saturday night as a fan, and I'm going to call him on the Monday. So a little bit apprehensive, but I thought about a couple of key triggers that I'm going to hit him with. Quite often, certainly around that time, I'd go, right, I'm going to make a phone quad I'm excited about but apprehensive and I'm going to reward myself with a bar of chocolate at the end of it so I would sit there with some sort of chocolate peanuts or, or, or chocolate almonds I think and I go right I'm going to make this call and the call went well he said he's going to come in for a meeting so it was like I went out of my office told a few people that were excited George came in on the Friday still had two black eyes and George was a star walked in and it was like you know we have England international footballers walk in the office and people don't look up from their computer George walked in and everyone went oh my god it's, big, it's George it was a big moment in the country wasn't it Honestly, it was, I remember George came in, he brought his mate with him and we had a really good sensible chat, had a chat with his uh, lawyer that evening and then into the next week. And then George had some unbelievable ideas. So George was doing a Richard Schaefer thinking big. In boxing around that time, I had a little bit of imposter syndrome because I'm the football guy working in boxing. That was it. George came in. We, we worked wonderfully well together. We plot and schemed and I realized that George was a, a plotter and a schemer more than I'd, I'd ever met anybody. Take you back to where we were and paint a picture of what yeah. it was, right? We'd had Emir Khan, who was massive, massive name, but I don't know what sort of commercial deals he had. And this is before Anthony Joshua. So you look around, no one had commercial deals apart from Anthony Agogo. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Agogo had Coca-Cola and Nike. And I was skeptical of whether they were getting paid or not. But I was thinking, I'm thinking big. I'm thinking, that looks the bollocks, man. He's, he's a Nike ambassador, Coca-Cola. They're probably, you know, I remember there was a chap um, who used to come to the gym and he used to say he was the press secretary for the ABA, for the amateur boxing. And he used to talk about Kellogg's sponsoring me one day. And he was, he was always Kellogg's because that was like a, a proper brand. I don't really want Kellogg's to sponsor me, but if they're going to pay, whatever. But, and at that point, you know, me and Dean, we, 
we got some 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 great deals. I was in a position now where I couldn't have ever have done the commercial deals on my own. I wouldn't know where to start. I didn't want to have the energy. And I don't have the experience that Dean has where it might take me 45 minutes to sniff out that this is going nowhere. Dean probably knows before, before <laughs> he's walked through the door, you know? Yeah. Even to this day, oh, if stuff comes my way, sometimes I go to Dean and go, should I take that meeting? And he'll go, yeah, take that meeting. Or you'll go, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you start with it? And tell us some of those deals. Like, like, like where do you start with George Groves at that point? And where, and, and what sort of bit, like what sort of areas you go and we can maximise your earning potential, where we can make you some money or we can make you a star here? We wanted a car sponsor. I remember that. And you went, brilliant, Rolls Royce. I was like, hmm, I'm yeah, possibly. <laughs> yep, yep. We could approach them. Yep, yep, absolutely. So we were looking at, everything car but then you you come back and you go right okay so sponsors are going to want what are they going to want from from george they're going to want some publicity in the run-up they're going to want some social media they're going to want an appearance well we have to limit the appearance is in the sort of month before the fight because he's got to get his head down and so we can do some appearances if, as long as they're far enough away from the fight night itself um, and then you sort of package it up i work very closely with a guy called duncan ross who's like a PR sponsorship guru. So work and and he was like right hand man on this and Dunk, everybody loves Dunk. He's the perfect PR man. I tell you how good is he, he is at PR. I, I was at Newcastle United the other the other night and Ant and Deck were in the chairman suite and I said to Dunk, I saw them leaving. I went, Dunk, they're leaving. And I was halfway through a conversation with one of the owners. It took about a minute and a half for me to leave that conversation to go and see Ant and Deck. By the time I'd seen Ant and Deck, they were walking towards me with their hands out going, Dean, unbelievable what you've done for our football club. I'm like, they put their little bags down. I'm like, that's how good he is at PR. <laughs> Ant and Deck now want to meet me. God knows what he's told them, but he is a PR man. He is he, he's a bit of a hype man. He, he's always happy. He's got brilliant energy. And we just sat in room and, and we were like, right, okay, so what can we do? So we went for Dufferance of St. George, the St. George one. It's an offer. It's an obvious one, should I say. So we, we, we managed to get them into a meeting and do that. The most obscure one we got was a company called Sport Lobster. Oh, Remember? Them. Do you remember them? I remember Sport Lobster. They had offices in Hammersmith. I was like, well, it's got to be. Like, it's fate. I'm Hammersmith, man. And the gym was on the road. I'd literally moved the same road as I'd opened a gym and they had Sport Lobster offices at the top. We contacted them uh, and they came back to us and it was one of them almost too good to be true moments. Said, yeah, we'd love to sponsor him. How much? Oh, oh my God, this is good. So we sort of gave them a bit of a, a price and it seemed that they wanted this Sport Lobster was like a social media for sport they always had a big budget roll george out to their offices their offices were a bit like what i'd imagine google were 10 years but they've, they've watched the social network film there was table tennis there was dogs walking around <laughs> there was do you know what i mean there, there, it was it was like a circus going on and then there was a couple of people doing a bit of work in the corner and it was like all right okay but they they seem to have some budget okay they want a couple of tickets for the fight we can deliver that they want George to put all his social media with a sort of blanket sport lobster thing over the top. At the time, I didn't know much about social media, but I ran it through with Duncan and it was, all right, I'm going to sell this to George. I rang George and I remember where I was in, I was in the car, I rang George and said, right, there's this thing. It's a bit like Twitter, but for sports people, when you now tweet in the run up to the fight, you're going to do it through their platform. It's still on Twitter. It still goes to all your followers somehow, and they're going to pay you for it. And they're going to pay you a lot of money for it. Where's the catch? I said, I, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I haven't found it. <laughs> I, I don't understand, but let's go and, you know, we, we did that. Then we did further deals with them and they seemed perfectly happy with it. I mean, the company folded. George went to the ring on fight night and I remember 
Duncan and myself sat in the Hilton Hotel and we had a little, we tried to work out what, what Frotchy's sponsorships were worth on his shorts. Um, I think we did work it out and we were like, yeah, we've quadrupled that. So for us, that's a win. Mm. It's a big win. So what Dean and Duncan and Waspen also did for me at that point was help manage the events, you know, and help with a lot of problems. So it wasn't straight up like professional boxing matters, you know, like managerial matters. and bolts. But mm. it'd be like, let's talk about the ring walk. Yeah. This is the song I want to have. I want to have Underdog by Kasabian that cuts into Spitfire. I mean, already I'm lost. Like, I don't know how <laughs> yeah, to how do, that, do that edit. He's like, yeah, leave that to me. We'll get someone <laughs> in the office. And then I said to Dean, I said, I want to come out on Anyone a big got a bus. red bus. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, you take it from there. What, what was your thought process yeah. when I came to you with that? I, I love the bus. I love that bus. So George said, I want to come out on Wembley Stadium in a London bus. I'm like, I love that. This is brilliant. Let me speak to Max Room. Max Room just wanted to get rid of me. So they were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine that will happen, but you can speak to Wembley Stadium. So I went and had a meeting with the manager at Wembley Stadium who quite liked the idea. And I think he quite liked football. I think he might have received some football tickets <laughs> um, through the post. And he liked the idea. He said, there's a bit of a health and safety issue because driving a bus on the stadium when there's 10,000 people sat there, we might have a little problem. And it went through and it went through. And I remember going to a meeting at Sky's offices and they'd underplayed the meeting. Duncan and me turned up to the meeting and we thought it was just going to be with like Adam Smith and a little run through of ring walks and, and some of the, the, the pre-fight uh, press stuff and, and uh, some of the shows that they were going to put on to try and sell pay-per-views as I do. We walked in, there was 35, 40 people in the room and they were like, oh, this is Dean and Duncan. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? This is a big event and they seem to be waiting for us. And then uh, we got through quite a few of the stuff that's going to happen, sort of fight week, fight night, all, all okay with everything. And then it came to a point and some guy said, obviously the London bus, a lovely idea, but that won't happen. And I remember saying, George is difficult. And he had that reputation. So for, for an agent's point of view, that's great because sometimes you can be good cop. So George was bad cop. So I just said, George is hard work. So, you know, it, unless you want Frotch Groves 2 just to be Frotch Nobody 2, you need to get the bus. We need the bus because I'm not letting him down. And they're like, right, okay, we'll, we'll all work on the bus. I, I, I turned up at Wembley two or three times. There's a part of you pinching yourself going, I can't believe I'm part of this event. Bearing in mind, I'd been to the first event as a fan. And also the summer beforehand, I went to watch the Killers at Wembley thinking, how mad would it be to one day to be part of a boxing event here? And roll forward eight, nine months from there. And I was part of it and I was sort of a small part of it, but I, I, I felt like I had a big role to play, not just the sponsorships or smooth things over and bits and pieces, but it was, I needed to get the bus on the pitch. And I haven't told anybody yet that Paul, <laughs> we were, that George, uh, he wants pyrotechnics and he wants flamethrowers. I think if you put yourself out there a little bit and you make the phone call, you sup it up, you do a good job for Anthony Agogo. He recommends you to his friend, George. He passes on the number. You, you treat yourself with a bag of chocolates for making the, the, the cold call, hoping he doesn't mug you off. He doesn't. You get to that point. And then on fight night, I think a couple of things happened that fight night, which I will never forget. One of which was George's cuts man forgot his tracksuit top. You know, we went through the various doors and corridors to get back to the Hilton. We'd left our passes 
to get back into the dressing room in the dressing room. And it shows what confidence and bravado can get you because we got all the way to the dressing room door with a bar pass. I'll always remember that. The other things I'll always remember is, so as we were waiting, we left the dressing room, we were waiting for George on the bus and you were, I think you were, they couldn't get you out of the dressing room, not for fear, but everything was on George's time. They do it in George's time. So he's not worried about Sky and saying, you've got to get going. You know, Sky, everything happened on George's time. And but that night we were on the bus and I remember thinking, God, what's my life become? This is one of the best <laughs> nights. And I'm sat on like a, a 119 that normally goes to East Croydon Station. <laughs> how did and, you get here? How have I ended up here? But it's like, it was amazing. George came in and he walked to the top of the bus. I heard the roar and then that roar, the sound of that will live with me forever. Touch gloves with George sort of thing and walk, walked alongside him for about the first 30, 40 steps. And I thought, for them 30, 40 steps, I'd love to be you. And the minute I left him, I thought, I'm so glad I'm not you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's the difference between being the man or being the man behind the man. Yeah, yeah. I love being the man behind the man. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you mentioned the footballer or the boxer you have to sort of knock for a month before you can't really do much commercially whereas in football I guess because you haven't got that fight night and that perilous situation it's just like going and playing a game with kind of bread and butter how does making deals differ with football footballers and with boxers it's, it's very different because obviously boxing is you know sponsorship is hard to come by in boxing you get a lot of local sponsors and um, people that are popular in local community get their local sponsors whether it's garage, whatever. Footballers don't have that or need that necessarily. Everybody's attracted to the top Premier League players and the inconsistency is top Premier League players are earning 100 grand a week. They're also, because there's hundreds of top footballers out there, hundreds of Premier League players, they are also few and far between. Beyond boot deals, I will go negotiate a footballer's contract and I might get him five grand a week more than he's asked me Forget get, you know, at the top end of his estimations. And you might get a little thank you It'll be two weeks before they'll find somebody else in the dressing room that's earning two grand a week more than them. Duncan or myself will do a small sponsorship deal for them for 10 grand for a day's work on their day off. And the thanks is never ending because it's almost seen as not free money, but it's sponsorship is people are very grateful for that. Footballers and boxers are aware that it's few and far between. The numbers aren't quite as high as you'd imagine for Premier League players. Some of the times they do bear into insignificance in terms of their wages. You get some really happy clients when you deliver some sort of comparatively small deals. People want to sponsor footballers around World Cups and you've got to be very careful of what you do. Some national teams are a bit more lax than others. The England team and the FA have their own sponsors, so you've got to not conflict with them. But also, you don't want to distract them because also, if they have a bad game, you don't want people pointing the finger saying, "Well, he was sticking his stuff," you know, sticking he stuff. Sport lobster. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's, you've got to be careful that it's not taken away from their day job. You've got to cut the hours down, negotiate the hours down as much as you possibly can for the same reward. Clients are eternally grateful for that side of it. I'd say. So for me. In my career and my relationship with Dean, uh, we'll skip forward to now. So I'm I'm challenging Fedor Chudinov for for the world title at the fourth attempt, make or break, right? And I'd had the Eddie Goodnick fight where I'd hurt Eddie and become a dad and loads of other things were chopping and changing my life. And I'm looking at the end end result now, and I'm tired. Like I'm sort of mentally tired. I've been self managed now since prior to the first Frotch fight. Great relationship with Dean, but I had the Cal I had the Sowlands who were my promoters and they did a lot of like the negotiating and get me on matchroom cards and stuff like that. But there was a talk at this tournament. Uh, it was called the World Boxing Series, World Boxing Super Series, um, WBSS. And Calla Sowland, who was probably my main point of call at Sowlands, 
was moving to this organization, taking himself out of the picture, sat on promotions. But he wants me to go in this tournament, which is like perfect for me. Sounds like it sounds like a really exciting tournament. But again, I don't know if I'm going to have a 45 minute conversation that's going nowhere, a bunch of pillow talk. I speak to Dean, I say, Dean, would you like to take on a slightly different role and negotiate my contract, boxing contract, for the World Boxing Super Series? In fact, could you just find out if it's any good? It's been my last fight with with the Sowlands, and if I beat Chudnov, I've won a belt, and um, can we get together and work out an exit strategy? So then, yeah, I speak to Dean. I say, right, after this fight, free agent, can you go out and test the waters? And you did. George rang me. I was sat at the end of the bed, put my shoes on, and I was sat, and it was, I just had, I'd had the worst month of my life, and it was um, personal. It, it was a, uh, we'd had a stillborn. My wife and uh, so we'd had a stillborn, the, the previous Friday. Nothing's going to ever take away from that, but you, you're looking for something to pick you up. And George rang me up and said, I'd like you to do this if you're up for it. And when George asks you to do that, because he's self-managed and very proud to have been self-managed and very good being self-managed, that for me was a huge thing. That was like, right, I need to sharpen up. I've got to go into this negotiation. I've got to make a difference. I've got to add value. He's just, after several years, handed me something. You know, George had a very small inner circle, as you know. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. Went downstairs, spoke to Lisa. I went, George just asked me to do the business, you know, the, the real business, not just the sponsorship stuff and make sure the dressing rooms are good and the bus's lights are on and, you know, there's, uh, there's petrol in the uh, flamethrower. This is the, the proper stuff, you know. So I went and sat down with Calla. And again, I pre-prepared as, as you do. You you, you sit and uh, we were on opposite sides. Of, obviously, we work together now, but we were on opposite sides of the boardroom table. And Cal has worked with George for a little while. George still had to go and win the world title. But I thought, if he wins the world title, he's the man. He's the man going into this tournament. And then I cast myself back to the conversations that I'd had with Barry Hearn and Frank Warren. I thought, right, okay, now at that point, I, I will be representing the man. And I've got, I'm holding a strong hand here. I'm not holding a pair of sevens. And George is always the bad cop. So I went into the meeting with Calla and it was bad cop and bad cop. <laughs> George and me. Just what you need. It's two bad cops. <laughs> you know, so, and, and Calla was like, this is just, you know, we're negotiating and it's it's too much. It's too insane. And we came up with a couple of things. And so if, if you're actually talking about the, the negotiations themselves, you know, George and myself, I can't remember whose idea it was, but we, we came up with an idea of, an extra bonus if George happens to fight a Brit. Because I've thought this through, and I, know, I knew Callow wanted big domestic fights. Mm. And I thought, the way this tournament works, George is going, he gets the first pick. If he wins and he comes in with a world title, he gets the first pick. I thought he's going to pick Jamie Cox. Yeah. So here we go. He's going to pick Jamie Cox. So he's definitely going to, he'll get that first bonus. Then Eubank could win. He then gets Eubank. That could be two bonuses. And then I'd fancy Smith to get through to the final. I think you could get three bonuses. So I said to Callum, I said, we need to get a domestic fight bonus. He was like, what the fuck is a domestic fight bonus? So bear with me, bear with me. This is good for you and me. This is good for the tournament. George goes and picks the guy from Swindon, Jamie Cox. You've got, that's a better pay-per-view for ITV. So yeah, we, we came up with this amazing domestic fight bonus. He, he collected the whole set of them, all three of them. It was like <laughs> lovely. So that for me is a win. And yeah. it, 
it was it was a, it was a big old bonus Callow's you know doing his normal thing which I don't know you've got me to agree to that which is part pantomime and part Callow's a, a wily old fox as well do you know what I mean so he wants you to think that you've won a bit but I actually thought we came away from the table at that World Boxing Super Series and I thought to myself my job the very first time I met George he came into the office and he said something to me which I'll never forget he said I want to go in I want to earn as much money as I can and get out and if I could take a tablet where nobody ever recognised me again, I'll buy the tablet. If this goes right, I've got a feeling he may never box again. So yeah, Dean, again, I'm I'm learning. I'm always learning when I'm around Dean. And yeah, come and have a meeting, go to the pub. Dean said, what do you need? Like, be honest with me. Go, how much How much money do you need to finish your boxing career? And I, we worked it out. I wrote it down, you know, got paid a mortgage off, got paid this, got back. People think since the first Rots fight, I'm just walking on gold you know ever since but it's like no you know i'm living fight to fight already at this point and he goes okay leave it with me and then he comes back to the gym i had a comfortable relationship with shane where shane was on a on a percentage they was only ever really good with me mcguigans every one of them like perfect with me and i was open with them and they were open with me and that's how why our relationship worked so well so I, i brought shane in on the meeting with dean and Dean came in with, I'm still thinking the World Boxing Super Series is, is a fantasy. Like, I'll be going on meetings with Calla for two years where you meet this person who works in the Football Champions League. This person is a billionaire from Monaco. This one here, this one there. I'm like, yeah, but where's the boxing? You yeah. know? <laughs> so Dean goes, well, this is what you get for fight one. This we get fight two. This we get fight three. And then we both like have a good look at it. And then I go, is that for real? And he's, he goes, yeah. Do you think they've got the money for that? And he went, I think they have. Yeah. I said, I'm fucking done then. <laughs> Do it right now. Yeah. I said, sign it up. Um, and Shane's there. And I allowed Shane there to, to ask his opinion. You know, and he's like, fucking oh, you know, Absolutely. Like, it's, it's a no-brainer. All I've got to do is go out and fucking win the belt. Because if if I don't win the belt, then the numbers like you half it, half it again, knock so, a zero. So off. in Sheffield, not only were you boxing for your life's work and for this moment of like achievement that you spoke about in the Curtis Woodhouse episode, but you're also fighting for a lot of money. To put into context, I hope George doesn't mind me saying, but he wasn't just fighting for that to win his world title the fourth time of asking. If it all went well with the World Boxing Super Series, you're probably talking 40 times the purse for the actual Chudnoff fight. Sometimes you're on the same team, sometimes you're against each other. Try and keep it professional. You know, as time goes on, time's a healer. You'll get on with people. You'll be at war with people. You'll be suing people. You'll be... but. It comes a point where you back to business, there's business to be done, or you just get on. I had a fractious relationship with Callis Owland, and I'm sure you'll say the same during that tournament. I'm like, mate, I've worked with you for three years, and now you jumped on board the, the Eubank bandwagon, and it's detrimental to me because now all of a sudden you've convinced the nation that Eubank's going to beat me. And I said, this is powerful. I was paranoid of that sort of stuff, always, always was. But Dane done an excellent job. Tell us, give us a quick, and we're going to run out of time, but give us a few tips on, on a negotiation, Dean. How, how do we get sank over the line? Yeah, top tips. Right. So you've got, to, you've got to manage all parties. One of the toughest negotiations I did in boxing, and I'll run you through this quickly, was I was the agent, well, I was actually the manager for Jarrell Big Baby Miller. And this was the toughest negotiation I've ever done because he had two promoters that he was signed up with, and Jarrell wasn't really speaking to them at the time. One of the guys would spend a lot of money in legal fees, send Jarrell a three or four page letter. And Jarrell, like it was Dimitri Salita. Jarrell would reply with the two minute clip of Dimitri Salita getting beat by Amir Khan. He'd spend probably three grand, four grand in this legal letter to Jarrell about what he needs to do and with the contract that he'd signed. Jarrell would just reply with a clip of him getting knocked out with Amir Khan in the first round and, and it would reply, 
Go fuck yourself. So I had to manage those. You've got to manage all parties. You've got to work out what everybody wants, manage expectations, try and feel like everybody's had a win, keep the deal moving, create a market, create jeopardy. So everybody on their toes thinking, this could fall apart if I don't do what Dean's asking for. Get their trust. I'm not a good blagger. I'm not a good poker player. So I'm very comfortable with awkward conversations, very comfortable at telling the truth. Be really organized. I write a lot of stuff down. I sleep well at night because there's not much going on in my head because I've written it all down. I'll go and revise it the next day and go in and, and be organized and map it out, create a market and benchmark what you think your fight is worth. We got Jarrell Miller done, which was an excruciating, painful experience. We got the deal done, but we got it done in New York where we wanted it, wanted it done. And I love Jarrell. He's a character and what I'm a drawn to characters. Mm. I'm drawn to characters. And jo George, massive character, a go-go character. Jarrell, big baby Miller, character, huge character, big heart. Sad but glad way. I was still part of that. We got the fight on. I'd done my bit. I couldn't do any more. But keeping all the parts moving, keep people from stop suing each other over that was, was huge. And I was on the phone to Eddie uh, and quite a bit, you know, midnight, two in the morning, whatever. We became close. We become close because I had something Eddie wanted. I try and ring Eddie now at two in the morning. I'm getting the blankety blank checkbook and pen. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a personal question because I asked this of Neil Sibley and there'll be a lot of people who are, who are thinking the same. In your role and same when you're doing deals with a football agent and commercial manager, how are you getting paid? Football percentage, yeah. Get paid by the clubs on behalf of the player, P11D. So it's a sort of a bit like a company car. They pay you as a benefit in kind. And then as a fighter, they, they get paid as a percentage of their purse or a percentage of the uh, sponsorship deal. So you're getting your true worth, really. You're getting the slice yeah. of the pie. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm as much upside as possible in the deal. I'm sharing in the upside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. That's the way to do it. We've got yeah. time for feature? we got time for feature. Have we? Let's do it. This... Dean is the best feature I've ever done and I couldn't let you down <laughs> so we knock about a feature every week I think it's you go I go today this week right like it feature name Dean Dean fighting machine okay so uh, it's a bake it's, it's a bakery quiz oh beautiful bakery Ooh. meets boxing okay Ooh. right I'll give you two two questions yeah with two answers, you have to smash the answers together. Oh, it's a sm word smash. Answer. Come word on, the smash. word smash. No. Right? I've so, heard you do this before. Let me give you, I'll, give you, give, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's a regular format now for us on GGVC. Yeah, it's a favourite. Um, an example would be, you go and buy something at the bakers. It's sometimes sliced, sometimes brown, sometimes called a tiger with Essex-based promoter. The answer is Breddy Hearn. Smash the answers together. Yeah. Bread, Got it. Eddie, Breddy Hearn. Breddy Hearn. Right, right, let's go. Do you want to go first or second, De Dean? Second. Right. Uh oh, pressure's on. French pastry, yeah. usually for breakfast, mm -hmm. with Manchester lightweight who loves Whitney Houston. Cross Anthony Crawler. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, <laughs> too quick for I'm you prof oh, professional. I'm right. in trouble. <laughs> Another French treat that comes in every colour. Two halves sandwiched together oh, like for meringue buttercream with American Southpaw who likes to wink. Is it Winky right? What's, his first What's name? the French treat? Ronald. I'm gone. My brain's 
fried. Is it me? Go on, go for it. Macaronald rinky right. <laughs> Jesus. Macaron, I thought he was a macaron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what he's having a macaron now every time he makes, makes a call. Um, right, 2-0, easy work. Well, let right. me go 3 nil up here. Famous 5th Street gym trainer. Uh, Angelo Dundee Scottish. cake. <laughs> <Yes>. Oh no! <laughs> Angelo Dundee cake. Right, yeah. Dino. That's Chris the only one I'd have got. Yeah, so you would have got that. Lovely treat with a spongy base, usually jelly and fruit on top, and David Brent prefers them. With Olympic bronze medalists with a passion for spandex and being the governor. <laughs> I'm comfortable with a silence and a good part of negotiating is being comfortable Happy with a silence. With silence. A silence in a quiz is not so good. Flantony Ogogogo. Flantony Ogogogo. I think you were thinking of a trifle. I was trying to think a trifle. Yeah, that's what I, I thought. I was trying to think, how does a trifle Ogogogo work? <laughs> no, but it's got a spongy base, yeah? Yeah. Trifle got a spongy base? Yeah, but flan hasn't. It's more of a crust. Anyway, let's go, because we're going to be kicked out of here. Yeah, right. 1930s Cuban boxer with a French pastry made of chudo with cream. Kid Chocolate Claire. Yeah. <laughs> Deck, you're good, mate. I've got to say. <laughs> we smash every week. Yeah, mate, yeah. you are good. You're like this one. Do these at home. Right. Item of protective clothing all serious bakers wear. Brighton-based trainer whose fighters include Eubank and Eubank. Jesus. Go on, do it. Davis. Yes. Yeah. What was the first answer? What's the first protective equipment? Apron. And then smash him. Ronnie... Apron Ronnie Davis. Jesus. Ronnie Davis. God, no, I've had enough of this. Some, what the... Oh. Go give us one more, Judge. Right, this one. Right, another protective item. Yeah. Used to ret- retrieve hot trays with Australian-based fighter whose losses include... <sighs> yeah, I got it. It's oven glove more and do. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, one more, Dean. you got to get this. He's the baker. Yeah. A sponge cake with jam and whipped cream that sort of not folded, but with undefeated heavyweight Rick Mail lookalike. Jam roly poly. Rick my undefeated. He's got wins over Anthony Joshua. So we've got Usyk. Yes. What's his first name? Alexander Usyk. Yeah. Jam roly poly. Jam roly Alexander. What's his name? Usyk. Yeah. <laughs> This is painful, gentlemen. But I won't, listen, surely I won that. Dean, Dean, fighting machine. Right, before we finish, we need a ring walk tune. Sweet child of mine. Oh, that's a great one. Sweet child of mine. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, brilliant. Dean, that was so good. I feel like I want to go and do some commercial deals for this podcast. What do you reckon, George? Oh, we've got a commercial, well, we've got the negotiator on the... In the club In the now. club now. So... Anyone wants to negotiate with this club, send them Dean's way. Yeah. Don't take him any baking quizzes. No. Jesus. No lobster. Just lobster quizzes. Lobster food. It's all lobster quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, yeah. Thanks, Dean. Dean. So much coming in. Thank man. you, mate. Brilliant. Guys, really enjoyed it. Thank you. How about that then, Deck? George, I think I'm going to become an agent. I think I've learned enough there about the art of the deal. I'm going to get a nice suit and I'm going to become an agent. Are you going to go down the sort of journalist's version of like self-managed? So you're going to be like a self-managed journalist and you'll be like, yeah, I want my own pens. I'm bringing my own pens. I'm only using Apple software. You'll go to some sort of like conference meeting slash rules meeting and you'll be sitting there and saying, absolutely not. 
you know, I send my email second. Yeah, business class flights only. I will not cover a show now unless there's a table. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to be the agent to journalists, but all because of Dean Baker. What a, what a ride that was. Dean Baker, George, is the latest Elite Club member, of course, on the list. If you're not on that list yet, how can you get yourself on there? Is it is it easy? Is it one step? Just open the application on your smart device, get onto our podcast and then hit follow. Follow us on the podcast app, on your podcast app, wherever you get your podcast, we're everywhere. We're not Mickey Mouse. We are mainstream. The more people who follow us, the better we look. Five star review everywhere. I want you to go on the Apple reviews, five star, boom. Maybe write a letter to the Metro, send one to your local MP. If you do do any of that, please take a photo of it and send us that on socials, which is not quite as laborious. GG Boxing Club on all your all your major platforms and some rubbish ones as well. Get everything you need to know right there and there. You can listen to our playlist, The Ring Walk. You might be visualizing your ring walk and going, nah, that's shit, nah, that's shit, nah, that's shit. Oh, that's a banger. I'll have that one. Uh, you might fancy a bit of merch while you're there. You might have, you know, might be thinking, I've got the hat, I've got the water bottle, I've got the print. Is there anything missing? Yeah, you haven't got the hoodie. Uh, anything else, Declan? Anything I've missed? Just following up from that advert that you um, that you just voiced so lovely. Um, but if you don't like ads, Amazon Music, they'll sort you out. They'll, they'll strip every advert out of this audio and put it directly in the dustbin and just put the good stuff in your ears. Um, I'm going to see you again this week, George. It's going to be a three-pod week. We're going to do a Saudi special. I'll see you Friday, George. See you Friday, Jack. Thank you.